Hello and welcome to Strange Shenanigans. I'm Stan. I'm Ashley. And we decided to do this next part live just for the fun of it. All live. Live. Uh, if you're a, if you're the sort of person who sits up at night researching whether giants are real or not, or if you need to know if penguins have kneecaps, you're in the right place. They do have kneecaps. They do. And giants are bullshit. This is strange shenanigans. And I'm five two, so for you they might be bullshit, but for me, it's everybody's a giant and they're terrifying. Okay, who are we starting with? We'll start with giants. Okay, starting with giants. which is everybody to me. All right, so starting with giants. If you spend more than five minutes on the internet, and even one of those minutes is spent indulging in conspiracy theories, you are bound to be crushed under the sea of nonsense. And a lot of this nonsense will involve the discoveries of giant skeletons. I'm sure you've seen the clickbait, even if the images weren't obviously geometrically, proportionally, and perspectively completely incorrect. It would be completely impossible for them to exist in the first place. What I am talking about is the ancient giant human race theory nonsense. I read everything that has to do with giants though. Yeah, but it's 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 it is physiologically impossible for giants to have existed. Mm. Because if your mass is that great compared to the the human bone structure Amplify the human bone structure and our bodies in mass together, and our own bones and body would crumble under our own mass. I don't know. It's not physically possible. I've seen the pictures. You've seen the pictures. Okay. Okay, just in basic scientific <laughs> fact, uh, a being shaped in the proportions of a human being would not be able to support its own mass. So where... Does the theory begin? To be honest, most mythology contains some sort of giant beings. It's true. But being that most early recorded human history that's actually written down for, you know, the purposes of writing it down, comes from the Greeks and then was copied by the Romans. Normally. Yes. So, where do giants come from? Well, well the ancient them. Greeks told stories of giants, describing them as real beings. Uh, they were buried in the ground long ago, and they believed that it was a war between God and giant that caused these giants to be all dead, none existing, all in the ground. According to Greek myth, the giants were the children of Uranus and Gaia, but were almost never born. Afraid the giants would be too powerful, Uranus would not allow them to be born, imprisoning them in Gaia's womb. Gaia convinced her older son, Kronos, to attack Uranus. He did, and the blood that spilled on Gaia released the giants from their prison. I don't know how that works. Kronos took power, but was soon overthrown by the god Zeus. The giants were enraged by the defeat of their savior and brother, and they took up trees as clubs and boulders as missiles, waging war on Zeus and the other gods in an epic battle, but the giants were ultimately defeated and buried under mountains, where their tormented shivers were said to cause earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. That seems legit. Right? So, the people of modern-day Tangier, Morocco, 
uh, boasted that their city is founded by a giant. Um, Roman soldiers dug up a giant mound in 81 BC and to their surprise found uh, enormous skeletons. And when they pieced them together, it kind of looked like a dude. This also happened in multiple other places. Um, where else? Also in Ireland, obviously in Greece. But the reality of these bones was that they belonged to woolly mammoths and woolly rhinoceroses. And they that, just put them together like people? But they put them together like people because the, the Greeks, Romans, and Moroccans, and Irish didn't know what the fuck a woolly mammoth or rhinoceros was, so how were they going to piece it together logically? They couldn't find a, an animal that these bones shaped to in similarity of an actual animal, so they made a human out of it and were like, it's obviously human bones, and these were obviously giants. But what about, I guess what constitute as a giant? How tall do you have to be to be a giant? I, I don't know. I guess over 20 feet was most of them. Because most of them, <laughs> oh, when they well. pieced all these mammoth bones together, they were like freaking, you know, 30 to 100 a feet tall. Big. Yeah, they yeah, were freaking Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? But the giant nonsense does not stop there. It is nonsense. It's awesome. Giants in America. How far will you go to make someone else look like an asshole? To really make your intellectual competitor eat a big steaming pot of crow. I'd probably go very far. Unfortunately, I don't have any competitors. Oh, okay. You're just that smart. Because Strange Shenanigans is the greatest show ever made. It is. So who would be our competitor? Well, in 1868, George Hull went to the absolute extreme to turn a petty religious argument into a full-time vengeance career. Arguing religion is always in poor taste, but when you find yourself outnumbered by believers and literalist interpreters of the Bible, it's sometimes best just to walk away. George Hall was not the kind of man who could do that. After being publicly embarrassed by Reverend Turk and his Methodist congregation on the topic of Genesis 6-4, which states giants once lived on earth, he decided he would prove how gullible Reverend Turk and the American majority were. George would spend $2,600, the equivalent of $57,000 today to prove his uh, perceived superiority over everybody else. The first number was like a lot of money to me. And then in current day, when you put right. it in current day money, I was like, that's still a lot of money. So, so, so George George was an atheist and he got into this, this argument with, uh, with Reverend Turk uh about genesis and he told them this is why the bible is nonsense it's because giants couldn't have exist never existed and obviously the reverend just did what reverends do and explained it and well well george had nobody there to back him up the reverend had his entire congregation there who were cheering right? him on so they were like um yeah so right george there. took it badly and decided to be a real dick about it um, let's see. What did he do? So, uh, being asked my opinion, my answer was that the whole matter was undoubtedly a hoax. That there was no reason why the farmer should dig a well in the spot where the figure was found. 
that it was convenient neither to the house nor to the barn, and there was already a good spring and a stream of water running conveniently to both. That as to figure itself, it certainly could not have been carved by any prehistoric race, since no part of it showed characteristics of any such early work. That rude as it was, it betrayed the qualities of a modern performance of low order. George went out, hired a shitload of men to dig a giant piece of rock out of a quarry, hid it, bribed people to move it on a train to his brother's house, hired two sculptors to chisel it out, then hired, hired a, a, a geologist who told him, oh, if, if this is supposed to be a giant who uh, died and was preserved right. in the earth, he wouldn't have facial hair or any hair left no. at this point. If, because he, he claimed that uh, that the guy had uh, petrified over time, the body had petrified of this giant. Because he was going to perpetrate this hoax against everyone so that he could go back to Reverend Turk and be like, look, you're an idiot. You bought into it. Well, so not only did he hire a whole group of men to this dig it out, way too much money. moved it on a train to his brother's house, hired professional sculptors to make it, paid all these people to bribe them not to talk about it, paid the geologist to help him make it look ancient. He then brought people out to the farm claiming that they had dug a well. They were digging a well and they had found this giant who was preserved in the ground and people came and people paid to look at it well i mean you gotta be curious even the i first, would be curious the first day it was free and then george was like holy crap people are coming by the hundreds to rural new york to come look at well, this well i mean i'd want petrified know. giant so what's he do he pops up a big ass tent and starts charging people and so he's just raking in the dough and he's got people in there arguing he's got scientists arguing with clergy and the people that he once wanted to embarrass are the people arguing that it is a real giant because the Bible says giants once existed. And they're in there arguing, helping him make money to swindle other people. It's like a complicated It is a very triangle. complicated revolving wheel of nonsense. So then uh, George, uh, George starts making quite a bit of money off of it. And uh, he... He eventually sells his portion of it, and he sells it for $23,000, the equivalent of over half a million dollars today. Again, both of it was a lot of money. So he sold it to a five-man-managed group, they call it a syndicate, uh, where they moved it to Syracuse, New York to exhibition it. And giant, the giant drew such huge crowds that it was starting to pull from P.T. Barnum's show. Ah. So P.T. Barnum offered them $50,000 for the giant, more than twice what they paid for it. Uh, they refused, and they're like, absolutely not. So what does P.T. Barnum do? He sends a guy in the middle of the night to sneak in, make a mold of it, sneak back out so that he can make his own. And then when he shows his, he's like, these guys are friggin' frauds. They're just copying my giant. Oh, And he got amazing. away with it. Of course he did. He's like, he's like the American dream. Yeah, he is. So, uh, uh, so when asked about a Barnum's version of the story, the guy who ran the syndicate, David Hannum, uh, was quoted as saying, there's a sucker born every minute. 
uh, in reference to P.T. Barnum's, uh, you know, uh, customers. Well, everyone's a sucker. It's all fake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hanum sued Barnum for calling his giant a fake, but the judge told him to to get go back, get his giant to come in and swear that he was a real person, and then he he he'd let him sue P.T. Barnum. And obviously he couldn't do that because it's stone and it was all sarcastic sniping and this friggin' hilarious. The judge is sitting up there. Yeah, go get your fake bullshit and come have it argue your position and then I'll let you sue this guy. Um, uh, in 1869, on December 10th, Hull confessed everything to the press. And on February 2nd, 1870, both giants were revealed as fakes in court. The judge also ruled that Barnum could not be sued for terming a fake giant a fake. <clears throat> Hull proclaimed that he did not confess because of criticism. He confessed proudly uh, for the original intention that he had had um, to expose that it was a hoax. To be a ding. <clears throat> but to this day, there are Christian communities that argue that he is lying and that it's not a hoax and that it is an actual giant from Genesis. Like he recorded everything that he like made it? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, every, it's all, he has a whole I mean, I get of the, I get the dedication and I appreciate the dedication of giants in Genesis, but if he made a record of making all of this fake, they probably should be looking elsewhere for their proof of the giants in Genesis and not the see, guy but, who made it out of stone. But see, he, he did this in 1868, and people are still on the goddamn internet today clicking on that clickbait about, oh, they found giant skeletons in India. They found giant skeletons in Egypt. Yeah, I'm going to read all of them. It's bullshit. The pictures don't even fucking fit properly as pictures. I'm going to read every single one. It doesn't cost me anything to read any of them. It's stupid. Why would you read it? It's a lie. I, I'm going to read it. There's real stuff out there that's way more interesting than giant fake um, skeletons well, I'm probably that are reading badly that photoshopped. So, yeah. I'm probably reading jokes on you. All right, we're going to be right back. And Ashley can wow us with stories of... Purple deer. Purple deer? Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. We'll be right back. We are a deer. probably see means uh purple deer you know so i actually i don't stare at my phone all the time i still stare at it more than i wish i did but i didn't know we had purple deer until i was on my favorite facebook group ever 
Unexplained Maine. Unexplained Maine. Unexplained oh, okay. Maine. Everybody go to Unexplained Maine right now. It's a Facebook group and just get like some popcorn. If you can't sleep at night, you're all set. You can watch all the wackos argue with each other. Oh it's my hilarious. gracious, it's fantastic. So, but this all started as everything on Unexplained Maine does. Someone posted a complaint, like always, asking why their post was removed. But this post removed wasn't a normal post, like giants maybe, yeah. <laughs> that you would expect from a group like this. This person posted an article about Maine deer turning purple. And while it may be one isolated case that's currently going viral, it seems now that it's mainstream and it may not be totally isolated. So what's up with it a year? First off, I'm gonna say, shame on unexplained Maine. The group that we love to hate and hate that we love it so much. Out of all the nonsense that I look through every week, this is something that we should actually explain. And it's one heck of a strange shenanigan. A photo has caught the attention on every news outlet in Maine and beyond. And it's a picture of a buck in Cape Elizabeth. So for those who don't know, that's like fancy Maine. Yeah, that's rich people. That's Martha Stewart Maine. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's not up where that's we are. Maine. That's yeah, yeah that's not in, real Maine. We're in cousin Jesse. <laughs> but this poor buck, he's perfectly normal, except for its face, chest, and antlers that have fully turned purple, and his neck or chest might have a like clearly has a giant growth on it. I I can safely assume that none of you have probably seen a purple deer before, like in person. Because I can confidently say that I've probably seen hundreds of deer at this point in my life, because I live in Maine, and none of them were purple. So why are deer turning purple? First off, not all of our deer are turning purple, but this one has gone viral and it is purple. This has spread other people and other areas of Maine who have also seen purple deer, but nobody knows why. Let's say the most outrageous reason First, once in a while, it circulates all over the internet that a trail cam picked up what looks like a UFO coming upon a deer or a moose or some other wildlife. And even if these videos were clear and authentic, which they probably aren't, there's a very little chance that if a UFO picked up a deer or a fox, they would turn it purple. So I'm sorry, Stan. It's not it's not aliens. Aliens didn't turn our deer purple. What is it though? Should we be worried? The Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife said there is no way to know exactly what is wrong with this buck without taking samples of the poor thing and sending it to a lab. They claim they have seen something like this, but not like this at all, which is hilarious. And they don't know what's wrong with the buck. One theory is, could it be Bullwinkle Deer? That's like a real thing. And it's not like an awesome TV show. So this is a bacteria infection, but in no case of Bullwinkle has it ever turned a deer fully purple. Is it a genetic mutation? Mm, yeah, probably not. The buck in the picture that's gone viral clearly has some type of swelling or growth going on. So even if he is super deer, that doesn't explain the growth on its neck. Is it blue tongue? Now blue tongue is a disease caused by biting insects, which we have plenty in Maine. Like we have like 8,000 to choose from. 
It's a disease that only affects animals, so it can't spread to humans. Its symptoms of blue tongue are inflammation and alteration of the mucous membrane of the mouth, nose, and eyes, hemorrhaging in the skin and other tissues, could turn it purple or blue, right? Discoloration, there you go. Swelling of the tongue, couldn't really see in our picture of the purple deer. And swelling of the mouth and a swollen chest. But lameness and drooling is also a symptom and the buck in the viral picture doesn't appear to be drooling at all. Well, he can't, his mouth is swollen shut. <laughs> no, he's eating. Okay, barely, I'm so, actually looking at it. Are uh, the other symptom the disease that this deer could have is epizootic hemorrhage disease, and it's almost the same thing as blue tongue. Um, deer most most commonly suffer from this. It's a hemorrhage disease, and they appear lethargic, disoriented, lame, or unresponsive. And as the deer progresses, they salivate and foam at the mouth, a bloody discharge from the nose, and legion in sores in the mouth. But no mention of them turning purple and the deer had none of those symptoms at all. Because apparently people in Cape Elizabeth have seen this deer plenty and it's a perfectly normal and fine deer. Antlers can change color based on the type of minerals that they are eating. Where am I? Blueberries? I don't think his antlers actually look very Maybe. different from any other deer's antlers. Well, could our deer friend be eating so many wild blueberries that it went all Willy Wonka on us and turned purple? No. It does seem far-fetched. But there have been a lot of instances when hunters will cut a deer open and all the insides are purple. Like liver, heart, everything. Yeah. And this is caused by them overeating pokeberries. Pokeberries? Yeah. Not the pokeberries, so Paul. The outside of the deer doesn't turn purple, but the whole inside is purple. Could be something. This, it, to, okay. From the perspective of a hunter and a former medic in the U.S. Army, um, this looks like a massive infection caused by an allergic reaction of some kind. Maybe. Literally nobody knows. Is his nose and face is swollen like three times its size. That's not what a deer's face looks like. And his chest is swollen. Yeah, like right under. He kind of has like a moose thing it going on. All, right yeah, under. He, he, his face is almost moose shaped from how swollen it's and strange. The other thing he could have is deer fibromas, but these are wart-like growths on the deer that are caused by an infection. <clears throat> These manifest as firm, warty growths fixed to the skin of a deer. Again, maybe, but there's no mention of the deer turning purple. And this deer isn't covered in warts. No. It's like one constant swollen thing. Yeah. So could it be a tumor? It does look like a big old goiter on his neck, doesn't it? It does. So could he have a and tumor? The answer again is maybe. But, you know, because when deer have tumors, they come up as hard and hairless and this deer is covered in hair and the whole head of this deer is purple when you look up tumors and deers like anybody can do <laughs> that's not what and which is what i did that's not what they look like they look like these these giant black warts that are just they're pretty big so in the end what's wrong with our deer it, it, it's illness it's very clearly illness i that i feel like that's clickbait in its own you say purple deer and i'm expecting like a purple deer no, not a massively infected purple. jacked up deer and the thing is 
this is kind of a viral thing mm-hmm. as clickbait is, but everybody, every news outlet in Maine is reporting on it. Mm-hmm. Pick one. Just yeah. just throw it in a bucket and pick one. You got every radio station, every newspaper, everybody is checking out this purple deer. So the thing is, I have all these theories and I can speculate wildly, but we still don't know. Um, nobody knows. The Maine Wildlife Department has actually put out a notice asking if anyone else has experience with this to contact them to help them figure out what's going on with the deer. Even biologists of the wazoo have been interviewed. Pick one, Baker Daily did one, WGME did one. Nobody knows what's wrong with the deer. So if anybody knows anything, contact me wildlife, but you should contact us first because right. we can report on it. And if we ever find out the answer before you guys do, we're definitely going to update you and tell you if we have a new species of purple deer or what's really going around because deer diseases are are a thing. Yeah. like It's pro- a serious thing. There's a serious issue in uh, most of America at this point with chronic wasting disease, yep. which pretty much just deteriorates their, their poor little bodies until... And that's a big thing zombies. we have in Maine and in New England and everywhere else, so... But nobody knows what's going on with this deer. Fortunately, we can rule out one theory. UFOs did not pick up the deer during half purple. Hey, they did not. They did not. Uh, if you're too lazy to Google the purple deer itself, just head over to our Twitter page. I At put them the on Strange there. Show. Yeah. We can look him up. Leave us a comment. I, I think it's pretty clear that the purple deer is just violently infected well he could be infected but everything the weird thing is everything about this deer because the residents of beautiful cape elizabeth have seen him is um they're like yeah he's fine he's good he's around here we've all seen him so he doesn't do anything of like all these symptoms of deer diseases we've already looked up right he just a normal deer that's swollen and purple and it's really funny because if we can rule if we could just say hey he's infected we're good the main wildlife um, department is still saying, well, we don't know that for sure. We actually, we've never seen this before. Yeah. So we don't know what it is. I'm really curious to see what comes of this. I really hope it's not some new deer disease, though, that spreads between other deer and other wildlife because it's happened before. Yeah. It really is. As much as we want all our animals to be pretty and purple. We don't want him to be sick. Well, he's not pretty. He's hideous. <laughs> we don't want him to be sick. Just pretty. Okay. Well, that's all we've got for Purple Deer. We'll be right back with our next segment, so hold tight. Thank you for listening, Rocky Raccoon 6. Oh, Rocky Raccoon's back. Yeah, I know. Right? Hey, Rocky. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back in a minute. Hang on to your hats.
Okay, and we're back. Hello. Uh, we're gonna switch gears completely. Completely. And we're going to talk about some weird thing that I stumbled across today while searching one of my favorite topics, vampires. I love vampires. I, I love vampires too. Team I mean, Naja. Right? What we do in the shadows is the greatest television show to ever be made. Absolutely. And if you disagree, send me your address. I'll fly out there and we can have a fist fight over it. Yeah, I don't need to know. I'm Team Naja. Mm-hmm. So, you give him the negativity, I don't want it. Right. So, I did, uh, I, while surfing the, uh, depths and bowels of the internet. The dark web. I came across the Atlanta Vampire Alliance. The Atlanta Vampire Alliance? Yes. Uh, parentheses, a real vampire house. No. Yes. So these people at the Atlanta Vampire Alliance, uh, which has existed for a lot longer than I would like to think it would have. But uh, it gained notoriety in 2015 when they started doing a bunch of media and stuff like that. I did reach out to them in multiple ways to try and get any sort of, uh, you know, correspondence. I, I offered them uh, live interview uh pre-recorded interview oh, that would have been cool. that they could even that they could even if they didn't like our questions they could ask us to cut stuff just to yeah in, in the in the vein of being hospitable um and i also offered them questions that they could just send us their their standard answers to since they have a media person apparently well they did so after their media blitz in 2015, the Atlanta Vampire Alliance seems to have completely dropped off the map at, by 2016. Probably because they openly admit to consuming human blood. Oh, I didn't know if it was like a COVID job loss thing. No. no, no. <laughs> uh, some of them do think that they are Colin Robinson type energy vampires okay i'm sorry but i think energy vampires are real and i can name like a few right there, there's all right and especially evies <clears throat> right but uh so uh they they went as far in 2015 to send out a they 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 claim it's a scientific study they sent out these these uh forms and surveys for people to take and they're super in-depth i downloaded one of them um and uh they they got a shocking five thousand responses five thousand to these full surveys wow but you gotta you gotta take some of them are obviously people trolling people who saw the original uh what we do in the shadows and we're like i'm gonna pretend to be an energy vampire and uh, mess with these weird people how do you know if you're an energy vampire do you just know like colin robinson do you just you just no, know it, it, it they they kind of describe it as a uh, as as being like colin robinson uh bothering or upsetting or getting people's emotions up is what makes you feel better about yourself <laughs> i have a whole so, list for you <laughs> right okay so the, uh, the original study was the Vampire and Energy Work Research Survey, an introspective examination of real of the real vampire community. 
this first version went out in March of 2006. So they're even longer lived than I thought they were, at least publicly. <laughs> um, the purpose, the vampire, vampire Energy Work and Research Surveys conducted by the Atlanta Vampire Alliance with the support from various houses and elders from the vampire community. The survey will address questions about the vampiric experience, which have constantly been brought forward as concerns, either by members of the community or by outside researchers in the professional or academic sectors. All right, then. Um, there's, there's a whole legal section in here to can to include uh, <laughs> ethical consideration, privacy consideration. Uh, they have survey focus, which is statistical, demographic, family background, vampire beliefs and past, community involvement, feeding and donors. What feeding? What it, donors? Yeah. So, oh, the the majority of these people uh, only admit to doing this act on people who do it willingly for them. Um, when I was reading their 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 own website. Um, Usually, uh, they have a willing donor who does it out of the goodness of their heart, what? who gives them their blood, or they have, uh, they pay people, is the other way. And then the third way of obtaining someone's blood is by offering them sexual favors. What? Yeah, that, it's, it's, it's in there. It's right on their website. So, um, you want, you want to hear some of the, the the questions yeah on the survey so it starts out pretty basic you know <laughs> it looks like a standard medical form or a or a census form oh jeez. uh your gender age they only listed two genders so the vampires are not very open-minded oh they they that, that, that they might have gotten some blowback from that because their whole <laughs> website is now all about inclusivity and everything and so you can be part of any community and with these folks and openly drink other human beings' bloods. Well, at least they're equal. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, see, th this is the part that would have gotten me if I was actually one of these people who believe in this crap. They, they actually ask where you're from and where you were born. Um, okay. And, uh, does your behavior chase, change based on the phase of the moon? Yes. Right. Do you have any siblings? If yeah. you have siblings, what is the order of your birth? I'm are, the oldest. Are firstborns in Maine. <laughs> right. uh, what's your education, your individual yearly income? This might all just be a scam to collect a bunch of people's personal information. <laughs> right? Are vampires, do they tend to be rich or poor? I, I, I don't know. I, I keep, <laughs> I, the, uh, none, none of the, uh, the links on their website work anymore. So I have a feeling there was some major blowback after 2016. Um, have you been diagnosed with any major illnesses? Um, 
<laughs> Do you take any psychiatric medication? Don't get me started. Uh, have you donated organs? No. I'm an organ donor, though. You are? Represent. Yeah. Uh, have you ever suffered from hypersensitivity? To, like, I get, I don't know. Are you ambidextrous? No. Do you have a birthmark? Are you yes. photosynthesis? Wait, photo photosensitive. Sorry. Oh, I uh, was in a my, my my middle school stutter came out there. My dad. <laughs> Am I photo? I don't. Do you have a family history of clairvoyancy? I don't know, Mom. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> I reach out to you through the ether. <laughs> the ether. Not the Ethernet, the Ether Guillermo. Mama, I need my health history so I can join the vampires. Are you aware of a family history of astral projection? If you don't know, remember what astral projection is, that's from Doctor Strange, the comic book. Mom, are we astral projectionists? <laughs> um, are you aware of any relatives in your family identifying themselves as a shaman or witch? Oh, don't get me started. Not on the witches, right? They're just in it to collect the semens. Does my family have any witches? Uh, <laughs> we have different definitions. <laughs> Your family has no witches, right? <laughs> oh, let's see what else we got. Do you consider yourself an empath? Okay, for those of you out there that don't know what an empath is, empath is in this context is defined as a paranormal psychic ability to sense the emotions of others. So if you can- Just being human. Being a human being and telling what other people's emotions are, that, that that's a special ability nowadays. Well, I have it then. I've been training my whole <laughs> life, I guess. Let's see. What else weird questions do we have? Weirder the better. Uh, how often have you experienced deja vu? Do you believe in magic spelt with a K? No, because that's not spelt right, so I would <laughs> struggle even answering that. Do you believe your spirit existed in a former life? Maybe, but I like to think I'm brand new. Yours did. Oh, really? I you did. were like a born and old man. Thank you. <laughs> I'll wear that badge with pride in my beard. Um, if, do you associate yourself with any faith, discipline, or paradigm? I don't... I would assume not if you're sucking people's blood. I don't know how to even answer that. Um, you attend tribal worship. I don't... It doesn't come up on Google Maps. I'm not sure. No. <laughs> oh. If yes, which types of other kin or other various subclasses do you believe exist? Ancients? Yes. Dragons? Yes. Elves? Yes. Fae or fairies? Yes. Gargoyles? Yes. Gryphones? I don't know what that is. I don't know. Lightworkers? Yes. Pegasus? Yes. Phoenix? Yes. Star seeds. Absolutely. I didn't know star seeds existed in 2006. Yes, they did. Man, you guys are behind the ball, They're you from little the TikTokers. 80s. Mm -hmm. What else do I believe in? Was that it? Was that the There's whole a list? whole bunch of them. I 
mean, I can read all of it. Yes. <clears throat> I'm trying to find other girls' questions. I love this so far. You know what? If I fill this out, I don't think I'm going to get a response because it has been, what, two, three months now? And I still have not been given my Micronation approval. I applied for a Micronation and they never answered me. They didn't approve or reject me. So I'm pretty pissed off about this. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. So I don't need another application that doesn't even acknowledge me. I wanted to start a Micronation and they didn't even have the respect enough to reject me. So I'll throw the link up to there if anybody wants to look through this. There's 74 pages of questions. 74 pages? In this survey oh for the modern <laughs> vampire. That's just one survey. There, there's other surveys. But uh, let's let's get back to their actual website. You got any, you got any questions about the modern vampire action? Um, yeah, I guess. Um. Like, when do you, how do you have the urge to, I don't know, I guess bite someone and suck their blood? Like, how uh, does that urge see, happen? I, I think from what I'm getting from their 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 literature, most of them don't right. bite and suck people. Okay, so that's a myth. Most of them. So that's a stereotype that they're trying to break. I don't know if they, uh, some of them might. I can knows. appreciate that. I always appreciate breaking stereotypes. I guess, what does the urge of wanting to drink blood feel like? Or when does it start? Do you like know when you're born? I, I guess that that would be from the answers of the survey, so. I just, I've got, I don't know. Can you get kicked out of the Vampire Alliance? What if you are a vampire and they're like, I don't like you and kick you out? Well, let's let's go through let's go through some frequently asked questions. Okay, frequently okay. asked questions. Is the AVA an actual real or modern vampire house or is it a role-playing group? The AVA, not to be confused with the other AVA. Don't just Google AVA. You're going to end up in something completely different that you don't want. To How many AVAs are there? Well, there's the Adult Video Awards. What? And you probably are not looking for that if you're listening to Strange Shenanigans right now. Or you are, and you're a pervert. Well, you know. Uh, the AVA is a local Atlanta, Georgia-based real vampire house, but not in the mold of traditional houses that promote social hierarchy and exclusionistic practices. We are not a role-playing group, nor engage in role-playing activities. Likewise, we are not a lifestyle group. We are an alliance of like-minded individuals, sanguinarian, so blood drinkers. Oh, okay. Um, psychic and tantric or energy workers, spiritual backgrounds and spiritual backgrounds who have chosen to invest our time and effort for the progress and education of both the greater and local vampire community. Yowza. Right? Okay. How is the ABA different from other such organizations? We provide a non-pretentious environment for our members. I love that there's like compared to other organizations. Right? How many vampire organizations are I'm really are there? interested. Find us at The Strange Show on X, which is Twitter, but apparently we call it X now. Yes. And tell us if there's more because... Yeah, if you're part of one of these groups, I want to know more about... We're not asking to mock you. Like, we really have questions. Right? Okay, are non-vampires allowed to join and participate in AVA activities? Non-vampires, generally energy workers or practitioners, okay. therians, and other kin. So, if you're 
star seed or anything like that. Which I am. Are permitted to join on a limited and selective basis, depending on the event. Most private functions excluded. Non-vampires, energy workers, Therans, and other can may be allowed to participate. Maybe. So case by case. Yes. It depends on how much blood drinking you're probably going to Well, I have to wait until I get the answers from my mother. Ooh. Does the ABA hold meetings and organization, organize events in the Atlanta, Georgia area? Yes. We hold meetings as well as quarterly socials and selectively attend and or organize events in a variety of different formats. Is um, there free food? Sorry. Did you just ask if there's free food at a place where human beings drink other human beings' blood? What if you're an energy vampire? I don't... Then then you wouldn't need to eat food. You're going to sit there and mock people until you feel good about yourself. Well, okay. I probably could do that. Is the ABA a religious, spiritual, or occult organization? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> we are not a religious, spiritual, or occult entity, nor do we personally regard real vampirism as a religion any form of a specialized institution or as a faith-based collective. Our members represent a variety of diverse spiritual beliefs or paths, and we encourage individuality, tolerance, and diversity amongst ourselves. I'm, I mean, apparently they're not pretentious, Ashley. Right, they're not pretentious. Do you follow a particular teaching or vampirism code of ethics? We follow our own code of vampiric ethics. Do they have a vampiric council? Because if they do, I need to see the. <gasps> oh, the is there a vampiric council? Why use the spelling of vampire rather than. That's stupid. We don't care about that. They change the spelling of vampire? Yeah, I guess they do. Yeah. I deeply struggle with this application if everything is just misspelled. If I join, will I be connected with a donor? Ew! Although we may at any given time have donors who are part of the AVA, we do not participate in an active donor vampire matching service, nor a universal donor of the house arrangement. Such issues should be discussed in private between two interested adult parties and the necessary test and forms completed where applicable. I don't know. What do you mean where applicable? Where are you going to go where you could cleanly and safely? I don't know. I don't even know how it would work. Okay. What is a real or modern vampire? A vampire is a senate, usually an energy feeder or a blood drinker that may display various levels of psychic ability. While the casualty interpretation and sometimes even the proper spelling of vampirism is debated, vampires are generally individuals who cannot equally sustain their own physical, mental, or spiritual well-being without taking of blood or vital life force energy from other sources, often human. Without feeding, the vampire will become lethargic, sickly, depressed, and often go through physical suffering or discomfort. Vampires often display signs of empathy, sense emotions, perceive auras, and are generally physically aware of the world around them. Well, I would hope so. Um, do and they, then they go back into the weird spell. Uh, no, they do not. Oh. They're not actual vampires, actually. Well, okay then. Okay. So that's what they have in their Q&A section of it. Uh, like, like I said, if... I'm, I contacted them through multiple chains, and I'm hoping to get some sort of response so that we can do a live yeah, absolutely. or pre-recorded Q&A, whatever they're comfortable with. 
Um, there's just there's so much to dive into, but like I said, a lot of their website, which I don't believe has been updated in since 2015. <laughs> um, but they they put out all this information in in 2016, and I think I'm starting to think that there was some major blowback, and that's why there's no connection to this anymore, or they got shut down by some sort of health department well i mean that's valid but i have a million questions right well we'll 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 keep digging i would like to think if you're part of a vampiric organization in general that i would hope you'd be willing to talk to us because there's a lot of stigmas and stereotypes that need to be broken and i have a lot of questions and thus it participates in more on stereotypes and we just make it worse. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll see. You got another <laughs> another topic for us, Ashley? Of course I do. Okay, everybody, hang tight. We'll be coming back at you in just a couple minutes with our next topic. Uh, this is Strange Shenanigans. Hold on to your hats, folks. Giants. 
about Purple Deer. Purple Deer and the Atlantic Vampire Alliance. No, the Atlanta Vampire Alliance, which is a real organization of human beings who suck other human beings' blood. Or don't. Or do. I'm not sure. Right. I have a lot of questions. Again, at the Strange Show on Twitter, please answer all our questions. Right. Let's break some stereotypes or make them not stereotypes. Are right. they stereotypes or they're true? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. Let's, Let's have this out. conversation. Okay, Ashley, what's our next topic? I would like to talk about the Allagash 4. Oh, which is not like a cool band name. It's not. That no. Is, that, that w- sounds like sounds like a hipster band, like they do the old the old stomp and clap type of music. That's true, but this was before they were hipsters. Wow, predating Ooh, hipsters. Predating back, hipsters. Back when, if you were dressed like a hipster, you actually did work. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna go back to Maine because it's the greatest place in the world. And if you live anywhere else, I'm really sorry. Why do you bother? The Maine Wilderness, which is not in Cape Elizabeth where our purple deer are, no. is ruthless. Yeah. For decades, Mainers have been known as the toughest people, because we are. We switched between being the nicest state to the rudest state. And do you know why that is? Because we will welcome you in tourists and will gladly take all of your money over silly t-shirts and souvenirs. But if you're here and can't hack it or change the way we've been doing things for 200 years, We'll gladly kick you out. Right. <laughs> in Maine, we have long and cold winters, hot and humid summers. We have ruthless rivers and lakes that you're going from wading into to you're over in your head in two steps. We have dense woods, beautiful hiking trails, and amazing mountains to climb. You may encounter moose, black bears, bobcats, coyotes, fishers, and foxes. If you're purposely hiking our part of the Allagash, you expect to see these things. You expect wild animals, you expect humidity, and you expect the weather to change every 45 minutes or less. (laughs) You expect beautiful views and a variety of terrain. What you do not expect is being abducted by aliens. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened to Chuck Rapp, Charlie Foltz, and twin brothers, Jack and Jim Wiener. The Wieners, not the Wiener (laughs) twins. In 1976. These four young men were off on a best friend hike through the Maine Allagash, the most northern part of the Allagash. Miles of Maine woods and rivers, the men spent two weeks in the Allagash and everything changed on day two. On their second night out, the four men were building a campsite. Jim saw a bright light in the sky right over them. It was just floating above the treetops, didn't seem to be moving in any direction. And I looked at it through the binoculars for maybe 15 seconds, and it suddenly waked out from the outside edges inward. I mean, it literally just went whoop like that, and it was gone. There was something about this that left me with an odd feeling that wasn't quite right. The lights just appeared and vanished before Jim's eyes as he recalled, and that was it. So the men continued on their way through the Allagash. The men were given a few normal nights, but on night four, the trip changed once again. They decided that they were going to go night fishing, a normal thing to do in Maine. Not weird. No. That's they, when the fish bite, man. Right. It's after dark. They built a large fire to mark where their campsite was, and off they went. They were all sharing one canoe. 
Chuck turned over his right shoulder and saw a large round globe of light. Yeesh. Jim saw it again. It had this rolling effect to it, like a miniature sun. Very, very bright. It lit the treetops up like daylight, and it was absolutely silent, he recalled. The light started coming toward them. Charlie dropped his flashlight and just tried to get back on shore. He never looked back and just tried to go for it. I remember looking over my shoulder, trying to keep an eye on this object as it was coming up behind us. It was getting very close. It was almost on top of us at this point. I remember thinking that we're not going to outrun this thing, said Jack, but they kept trying to get to shore. All of this seemed to happen in 20 minutes time, and that's all they claimed it could have been. But when they arrived on shore, the fire was almost gone, down to the coals, and yet they weren't the ones who put it out. Did someone come by and see it unattended and put it out? <coughs> Maybe. But they didn't make it far enough out for someone not to stay put to scold them. Were they close enough? They were close enough that a ranger could have stayed inside of them if she was actually around. So how long were they out? Jack recalled being exhausted and in a daze once they arrived on shore and they all decided to go straight to sleep. Despite this encounter, the four men decided to finish their Allagash trip. They managed to spend the rest of their trip without any new encounters or mysterious sightings. And then, the nightmare started. Jim and Jack were the first to come forward and seek help. All four men tried to talk about what happened and no friends or families or professionals would believe them. And then they met UFO researcher Ray Fowler. The thing is, he was willing to listen. When everyone else doubted these men, this was the only guy who listened. And yet all the psychologists who are interviewed during all of their documentaries or TV appearances claim that if people who think they have had an alien encounter go to someone who is a UFO researcher or believes in aliens, that their suspicions will of course be confirmed even though it's not true. So they caution going to people who believe. And yet, those were the same people who wouldn't help or listen to Jack. I was starting to have nightmares, really terrible nightmares, that I could not explain. I found myself in a very bright lit room. I had no idea where I was or why I was there. To my left, I could see my brother Jim, Chuck, and Charlie sitting on some type of bench, and they were all naked. I was wondering why they weren't helping me, because I felt like I was in danger. While I'm trying to figure this out, I noticed this figure, or a dark, shadowy type figure, emerging from this light. This bright light in front of me. I would wake up, just sweating and breathing heavily, and just in a state of terror and shock. Ray Flower did hypnosis and polygraph tests with the men, all separated though. Sure, both of these types of scenarios have their own faults, hypnosis and polygraph tests. But when each test or theory was performed with the men separated, all of their stories were similar. Charlie said, it was like a doctor's office. I get, it's cold like a doctor's office. They put the panel over your chest, then they scrape your arms in your chest, your legs and thighs. We shouldn't be here. I just kept thinking, I want to be back in the canoe. Jim said his first thought there they don't know what to do i think they think i'm going to come after them and i want to i feel like i want to 
The first one that comes near me, I'm going to throttle him. I don't like these things. I don't care where they come from. They shouldn't be doing this to people. Jack was recorded. They're right there. Their face is right in my face and I don't know why. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what they want. They're saying things. In my head, they're saying, don't be afraid. They say, do what we say, just do what we say. Chuck's vision was, I see some sort of device on him. They've got, it looks like a silvery look, like it's got curves on it. It's almost like it sucks something. He's got his head tipped way back. It's almost like he's in pain. We can't help him and all we can do is watch. And those were their recordings from all their personal interviews. The hype long has run out for the Alagash 4. They had their height in the 80s. No shame in that. After a few years after they were no longer seemed relevant, Chuck decided to come out of retirement and claim that they made it all up for money. So hypothetically though, when the money ran out from the interviews and documentaries, Chuck decided to do a turnaround and claim it was all fake and they were all taking drugs during this and there was no UFO. But I'm more apt to believe the other three, not Chuck, because they all could have come out and done this and said he was this and said he did that and played a game out of it and make money off of more interviews and feuds. And instead, the other three men held on to their story and didn't participate in the stir that Chuck was trying. Charles' response was, this happened. If you believe it, that's right. If you don't believe it, I don't care. I don't care because it did. That is our Alagash Four from me. I, I'd like to preface this with I, uh, throughout my youth and some of my adulthood, I spent a lot of time in the North Main woods, and I spent a lot of time as a teenager in the Alagash. And I did I did uh, volunteer search wilderness search and rescue. So when people would go missing, some most of the time it was it was a silly thing, you know, somebody walked away from camp. But then there was the occasional like really terrible stuff where you know an elderly person got lost and died out in the woods or something yeah but being being out there with a group of people is has a calming effect but when you're out there truly alone or there's just a few of you you realize that you are literally all alone i could not imagine being alone in the dark in the algash wilderness knowing that there's nobody for probably 50 to 100 miles and there's just some creepy friggin thing in the air following you. yep that would just terrify me and i i i haven't ever had an experience like that or anything but just just the overall you know there's already a panic in most people when when they're alone in the woods and having four three other friends dissolves that but then can you imagine how that panic tenfolds in the dead of night when all four of you are seeing the same thing same and you know it's not your just thing. own eyes playing tricks on you when everybody else is confirming that it's right mm -hmm. there it's terrifying and that was their story right is it real or not i'm more apt to believe it is real because the the other three gentlemen, the brothers and Charles, didn't participate in, in Chuck's, it's not real, it didn't happen, we were all on drugs. Yeah. 
Uh, I've got I've got part of an interview from the Portland Press Herald with some of these guys. If you guys want to hear it. Oh sure, let's do this. You hear it? Let's, let's see if it comes through properly. Hi, I'm Matt Byrne, staff writer with the Portland Press Herald, and today in the studio we have Jim Weiner and Chuck Fultz, uh, who are here to share their experience from nearly 40 years ago uh, on a canoe trip in uh, the Allagash waterways. They saw late at night uh, a bright light in the sky and years later uh, found that they've recovered memories of an abduction. Uh, we're here to discuss their experiences and their lives. This weekend they'll be guests at Experiencers Speak, a conference of like-minded individuals who are gathering in Portland to talk about uh, the things that they know and the things that they've seen. So welcome Chuck, welcome Thank Jim. You. Thanks for having us. No problem, thank you for being here. I was hoping we could start with, uh, if you could, taking us back to your canoe trip in 1976. And, uh, after working our way across, taking a good 20 minutes to get there, we began fishing. And we'd only been there just maybe about 10 minutes at the most. And uh, the other guy was sitting at the back of the canoe said, what the hell's that? And we all turned and looked in that direction uh, and I saw this light uh, at the tops of the trees. I mean this thing was this thing was big man it was as big as a two-story house it had to be at least 70 80 feet in diameter. Yeah. Were you fearful? No curious. not at first we curious. were very curious at first because um, it made no noise at all so there was no threatening hums or whines or anything like that. And it was moving slowly. It was going very us. slowly but it had this this it, it wasn't a solid it wasn't a solid it didn't look like a solid object it was it was like it had a fuzzy edge to it and i thought well let's try signaling and chuck had a flashlight because we were using the flashlight to track fish sure and he immediately uh, ticked off a sos just and out of curiosity as soon as he did that i mean immediately after he did that this beam of light came out of the bottom of this thing and it came right for our canoe. I mean, we lit up like a roaming candle out in the middle of a black lake. So we started paddling and uh, <clears throat> I mean, we were really going. And I remember uh, looking back at one point to see where this thing was and thinking that it was way behind us. And instead of being way behind us, it was right up there. And then the next thing we remembered, all of a sudden our canoe um, hit the beach and we got out of the canoe and we stood there and it's, it was right in front of us in the water. I remember standing there looking at this thing thinking that if I had a stone or a fair sized rock, like, you know, maybe an egg sized rock, I could hit it. That's how close it was. So what's that about 30, 40 yards maybe. And there was a, a beam of light coming out of the bottom of it on the water. It wasn't moving. It was almost as if it was sitting on this beam of light. And then the beam went up into the sky and it just went whoosh, like that just like an iris closing well basically we knew that it was a ufo an unidentified flying object what were the mutual experiences that you all agreed upon what were the there was the, an abduction that it wasn't just the fact that we had encountered and seen uh, an object in the night sky that I shined a flashlight at. Under the control of, of these beings, whoever they were, whatever they were, what did they do? They 
they treated us, we liken it as if, if uh, you or I were uh, animal behaviorists and we went to the North Pole and darted a polar bear and we wanted to go out and then measure its teeth and mm-hmm. see how its jaws samples, move, take some blood samples, a maybe a sperm sample, eye. you know, see how its, its limbs articulate, you know, mm-hmm. what's, mm-hmm. what's that orifice, what's this orifice, how does this work? Mm-hmm. That's how we were treated. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I remembered was um, sitting in this room. It was a room where I could focus clearly directly in front of me, but my peripheral vision was blurred. And uh, my brother was standing maybe eight, ten feet away from me. He was standing and he was naked. Mm-hmm. And there were these beans, these kind of, they, they were human shape, but they weren't human. And they had, um, they had a wand that was maybe 14 inches long. It was thin on one end and had a slight tiny little bulb on it. And they were like scanning his arms and they were taking his arms and articulating his wrists and his, and his, his shoulder. And I kept thinking, my God, they're going to really hurt him if they keep doing this. I remember that thought going through my head. How long do you believe... You were under that control. Probably two and a half, maybe three hours. Does it bother you when people say that you might be crazy or you might be making it up? Anymore. We've we've heard it so many times over the years. I mean, number one, we have nothing to gain by this except public ridicule a lot. But our our goal would be to enlighten, uh, uh, inform, and you know, put some type of positive direction. Well, there you go. There you go. That was the interview with uh, two of the abductees from the Allagash wilderness who claimed they were abducted by aliens while night fishing. Right. Yep. I think that's all we have for you today, folks. Um, Thank you for listening. Um, As always, keep it strange. You can find us here on Podbean. We have a catalog going back. This is our second season. So season if you haven't two? heard season one, hop on back. There's some good and there's some funny bits in there too. Trust me. I'm hilarious. Yes, you are. Uh, you can find us on the interwebs in multiple locations. Yeah, you can't get rid of us. We are on Twitter under The Strange Show. Don't forget to hop over to Patreon where we put special footage and give you free stuff if you buy us coffee. That's patreon.com slash strange shenanigans. You can find us on Tumblr and Instagram. And even if you're a cool kid, you can even find us on TikTok under strange shenanigans and some weird videos while I learned how to use TikTok properly. Right. I have one where I turn myself into a snail. A snail? A snail. It's on TikTok, Instagram, and Tumblr under Strange Shenanigans. We're always on Twitter under The Strange Show. And don't forget to buy us on Patreon.com <laughs> slash Strange Shenanigans. We're also coming from the new Strange Shenanigans studio. Hashtag name our studio. Which once. does not have a name yet, so. You guys need to name it, so hashtag name our studio. You name our studio, and we're going to reveal it at our season finale before we go off to season three. What? So you have plenty of time, because we don't know when we're going to do season three. Yep. Pretty much whenever we want. Yeah, when we feel like it. Yeah, um, so yeah. you're kind of stuck with us. Yep. So get on there. 
give us a suggestion for a name. We need to name our studio. Yep. This is the perfect time for Douche Nation, Stick Up Leslie Nope's Butt, really anything you can think of. Right. It's a Parks and Rec reference. Yeah. If you're not watching it, please go watch it. What's yeah, wrong right. with you? It's been on there for like ever. Is over. Go watch Parks and Rec. Exactly. Now. See and you on the straight side. The show,